Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Ride Kawaja with me, co-founder and CEO of The Open App, who you're all going to be familiar with by now because we have just created the most epic seven-day anxious attachment boot camp that you guys are dribbling <laughs> over. You, are, you have been so excited for it. It's been such a special experience. And I feel like it was the first time that we really stepped into this space of the bio-psycho-social starting to communicate with you guys how important this multi-touch point, multi-angle approach is to healing. Today, we're going to be talking about life, about business, a little bit of wellness, not too much, <laughs> a lot of mindfulness. And we're just going to really chew the fat over some things that have happened recently, some things that are going to happen next year. And I can't wait to get into it with him. How are you today? So good. Thank you for having me. My I'm pleasure. I'm very so happy excited. to have you here. Yeah, very excited to be here. Also, I feel like I've never done a breathwork drop-in with <laughs> any guest I've ever interviewed. So that was a really special moment for me there. You guys probably didn't see this because we did it right before we started. But that was a really powerful moment for me where I was like, this is so cool. Like, these are the kinds of people that I want to be surrounding myself with. Yeah. And I feel like there's this belief in life that in business, or maybe this is my experience from being a lawyer and then running an agency and it just being so stressful all the time. Hmm. So to be able to sit here and do my business right. with someone also that I respect and deeply admire who also does business and for us to have them not be like exclusive and having to be like, go, 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 to actually combine the two is really special. Yeah. That's what you're doing with Open, right? I think so. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the 
misnomer, one of the original sins when the space got industrialized or commercialized is, hey, this whole work thing, this whole business thing, mm. isn't it stressing you out? Isn't it hard work? Isn't it getting at your mental health? Well, anything in wellness is going to be the opposite of that. It's the polarity to that mm. when it actually should be a much more integrated conversation, right? These two things aren't at odds with each other. They actually, we need to find ways to bring harmony and have them sing in the same orchestra. So yeah, no, I, I think that's kind of like one of the philosophical notes that you and I even have kind of wrapped about do some bit mm. behind the scenes, right? Yeah. And yesterday we met, we had a meeting and... I was like there at your workspace, you know, really ready to like just do what I've been brainwashed to do, which is we <laughs> sit down, we open our laptops, we like work. Right. And you were like, hey, let's go for a walk. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> yes, I want to go for a walk. Right. We went on this beautiful walk. And to anyone that's ever been to Venice, we went to the skate park and the sun was setting. And it was, again, a really eye-opening thing for me, like, oh, I don't have to just work 12 hours a day on a laptop. You can really do and create beautiful things right. by being rather than just doing. Right. Yeah, I love I love to ask right before a meeting, especially if it's a one-on-one, do we need our laptops? Oh. <laughs> I do this internally all the time. Because if we don't, let's just go for a walk. And we're so lucky being situated where we're at because we're right next to the beach and this beautiful thing called the sun just comes up and comes down every day pretty every reliably. Day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just always trying to look for ways to have it feel like play. I love that. Yeah. We don't play. As adults, we just don't play. Or yeah. I feel like I play a lot. I'm I like, was going to say, you, I see you playing. <laughs> I see you I'm like playing. the kid that's in the supermarket, like upside down <laughs> doing a handstand, like twerking up right. on the like tin bean counter. <laughs> right. My boyfriend's like, can we just go and make these fajitas and just like chill <laughs> out? And everything is like fun. So right. what does play look like for you in your life? Yeah, I think I, I have a really serious and kind of critical demeanor, especially when it relates to work. I think some of it's naturally egoic and having a standard and wanting things to be a certain way. But I also have this side of my personality that just loves to laugh and about anything and especially if something is really grotesque and terrible, like <laughs> actually laughing about it. And that being kind of that pressure release valve, right? Yeah. And humor being, it, it's definitely one of my favorite forms of therapy is just being able to look at a situation, no matter how fucked it is, and just finding what's there to laugh about in this. And I think some of it naturally decays maybe when, if you don't create a practice around play as you grow older, but I think one of the things that's really attacking it right now specifically is also kind of a culture around being extremely careful about everything one says. And yeah. I think we're up, you know, in our workspaces and our social environments, I think that we've lost the ability to kind of express ourselves fully all the time because we want to be so careful to not offend anybody. But, you know, I think that there's a lot in kind of the energy and uh, how things are communicated. And and a lot of that's really personal and you have to give yourself space to be able to express yourself in that way. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but what I try to do is surround myself with people that understand me or give a lot of, give them a lot of data points about me yeah. so that if I found, I sound a little bit off tune while I'm trying to have fun and be playful, that they have a lot of context about what else I believe or kind of the spirit of where I'm coming from. Oh, I love that. Right. I think, yeah, a lot of things that we've covered on this podcast is how 
it's really difficult to express ourselves when we're like ashamed and we've been taught like don't have fun or don't be too much or you're not enough so you need to just sit tidy and act pretty and be smart and all these things and like you just said having people around you is so important when you find those people that they actually like you and they really love you and this is actually so on day six of the anxious attachment boot camp that Mm -hmm. we're doing with you guys at the moment and the exercise was i love you because Mm. so we asked people to text three people around them anyone and to give them a list of five reasons that they love them wow And then, so they collate those lists that come back in and there's discomfort in sending that message, right? People are like, oh, that feels like really uncomfortable, which is also like a flashlight into like, oh, why does that feel uncomfortable? So you get those responses in and you collate them and then you write your own list. I love myself because, and you have to write it. And then on this piece of paper where you've like collated all the answers, you have the foundations for a sense of self Mm. that is loved by everyone that messaged you back. So this exercise was basically for the people that don't feel that love for themselves or don't feel that light for themselves. We were giving them foundations to start to build that. And then our healing homework for the day with Open was, I think it was a meditation with Manoj, which was really like to embody the feelings that came out of that list. Wow, yeah. And that for me was really special. And I think community, being seen for who you are and loved for who you are is so healing And that's a huge part of what you're doing open, right? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, some of the through line that really excites me about the work that you're doing and the work that we're doing is this thing that we were talking about, which is the communication of it all, right? Ultimately, you can take this wisdom that you have about these exercises and you can intellectualize it. You can even practice it on your own at home with a meditation or breath work, and you can practice an affirmation or communicating to a loved one in a certain way. But it's all in preparation really for the game. Mm. The game itself. The game is the thing that you're playing out that we call life. And that's where the rubber hits the road. And I think what you're really arming people to do with the work that you're doing is you're giving them the vocabulary. Mm. People need the vocabulary to be able to articulate and communicate mm. what it is that they're feeling. And I think we, we talk about things in terms of mental health. We thought, talk about things in terms of physical health and the whole spectrum of it all. But at its core, I think that there's just a disembodiment with what we're actually feeling And then there's this deep chasm between that and our ability to communicate it Mm. constructively Mm. or with clarity. And yeah, that that ultimately bridges a lot of gaps. I love that you use the word disembodiment because I think five years ago, if I'd seen all sexy yoni teachers on Instagram, they're like, oh, all you have to do is just embody and do all this shit. I was like, what are they talking about? I didn't understand. But now through not only working with your app that you've created, which is exceptional, by the way. And, you know, I tell you that every time I see you like 10 times, he's like, please shut up. You are actually. No, I'm like, yeah, tell me a little bit more. (laughs) He's like, I found my number one fan girl. She's flown to Venice to meet with me. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I have. (laughs) For anyone that's listening, I want to just tell you a little story about how I found Ride. I was supposed to start start the episode with this story, but we already went off on like a lovely tangent. Yeah. So anyone that follows me knows that I'm like a big fan of a cold message. Whether we're talking on a dating app, like whether we're talking in the workplace, I have had my life changed numerous times by just sending the fucking message, okay? So I don't know how I found you. I guess I was thinking about who I wanted to work with next year. 
I went straight to the fucking top of the tree. I was like, <laughs> find me the CEO. <laughs> you know, most people would go to the bottom, where's the yeah. marketing assistant? Yeah. Like, oh, I'd like to get a coffee. No, I went straight to the top. Right. I found Ryan on LinkedIn and I sent him a message. Now I'm going to read you guys this message. <laughs> and also I feel not embarrassed, but reading this, like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I really shot my shot. I yeah. went in. Heck I went yeah. in. Okay. Heck yeah. <laughs> so I said, <gasps> Hi, Ride. How are you? I'm obsessed with all you've built at Open. I followed your journey from the beginning. I'm currently based in Tulum and was just overhearing people talking about your brand yesterday. That was true. I think that was probably why I went to message you. I'd love to connect. I'm looking to build something not dissimilar to Open, but in the therapy space. Then I went real fucking punchy. I was like, <laughs> I was like a top five UK and US mental health podcast reaching nearly 2 million people a year and 20 million people a month on socials. I'd love to discuss if you're advising or consulting on other projects alongside Open, and if yes, I'd love to connect. Guys, I fucking shot my shot. Heck yeah. But, but I was so okay doing that because I knew that there was a 99% chance that this man sat next to me right now in Spotify LA was right. just going to ignore my message, right? Right. But you didn't. But I didn't. You didn't. Let's see how long it took you to reply. <laughs> Two days. Yeah, not yeah. bad. And this is coming from the guy that says he's really bad at replying. I'm very bad at replying. Yeah, you can ask anyone who actually knows me. Yeah, you still actually haven't accepted my LinkedIn request. <laughs> so, so if you could do that, I'm glad I'm I'm like sticking to the brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, with some facet of it. Exactly. So I think where I want to go now is if we stay in our head, we don't do the scary things, right? Because sure. it feels so scary. So we're yeah. like, I'm going to stay in my head. I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. For me, sending that was scary. Yeah. But I was like, I'm okay. Whatever happens. I want to ask what that was like for you to receive. Were you like, oh, another one? Or how did it feel for you? <laughs> it felt amazing. I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think I've quite aggregated everyone's love language at Open, but some of us really just love the <laughs> the words of affirmation on our work. We have a Slack channel that I tell everyone who will listen about, which is called Sweet. Why We Do This, where uh, we aggregate testimonials and just like love and shout outs from people um, who are being really like impacted by our work. And the channel is meant to remind us of our mission and why we're doing the work that we do. So we love it. One aspect of your message was just like a kind of a sincere acknowledgement of the work that we're doing. So there's a lot of gratitude and, and appreciation for that. The other side of it was somebody who was articulating their work pretty precisely. And I could pick up on that pretty quickly. And it is really a, like a personal value I have about being a part of an ecosystem more broadly, like this mission that Open is on to help people, empower people to live a life that they find worth living. We're not the only ones in that space. And you can call people competitors or you can call them allies on, on the same mission that are addressing it in different ways. And that's even specifically within kind of our industry, if you will. But I've been such a benefactor of people responding to my close to cold, like maybe not a cold outreach, but, you know, a friend of a friend, hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can you help me with that? And I wouldn't be here sitting here if people didn't make bets on me and didn't go take a coffee and have a conversation and support me in ways that seem irrational, like they didn't really have any financial benefit or upside. They had nothing to gain from it. So I'm just a big believer in the ecosystem. And so if I benefited from that, then I, I should play in that same way. Mm. So And have you benefited that? Have you ever sent a message 
like this to someone asking for something at any point in your career? For sure. Even starting out big corporate, messaging somebody that's like skip, skip level and saying, hey, I want to shadow you for the day. Trish Lukasik was her name. And she had no reason to do that. I was like a lowly analyst. and oh. But she said, yeah, fly up to Chicago, spend the day with me and shadow me. I don't know why you want to do that. But that gave me exposure. And it was just time and time again, just asking people for things and people saying yes. But they benefit in the same way in those. Mm. And so it really is. I mean, wh where you started was about this embodiment and this scared or of what the result could be. But it really comes down to action, ultimately. There is no loss. There was no missing in what you did in the outreach. I was A, grateful to receive the message. That's how I received it. I was grateful mm -hmm. and I was eager to learn more about what you were working on. When I mentioned this ecosystem more broadly, I'm, I'm talking about people who are building and creating things in this life, people who are interested in making a dent, making an impact in this lifetime. And we're all kind of conspiring, I think, in the same direction. And we have different tools and we have different experiences that can help each other out mm -hmm. at different phases. And I'm sure I'm going to benefit. I already have benefited just by you kind of evangelizing what the work that we're doing at Open and partnering with us. But I'm sure I'm going to learn things from you as well. And so it's it, what I found, it's always a two-way exchange as well. It's the resonance though. It's mm -hmm. like the, you know, what I read in kind of the margins of how precisely you were describing what it is, what you were doing, that selfishly, I want to spend time with people that are, you know, trying to advance the same things that we're trying to advance that open as well. Mm. Right. It's amazing to hear that you've also sent these messages because sometimes I share with people like, oh, yeah, I love to cold outreach on oh, LinkedIn. Oh, no, yeah. And people are like, what? Yeah. I mean, I still do it right now. Maybe not in like, but hey, we're working on this. I'm direct messaging somebody on LinkedIn who's got expertise in performance marketing or something like that. Mm. And I've seen the res I'm like, hey, will you chat with me for 15 minutes? And People oblige. It's just necessary. I mean, what are we going to do if we're not going to do that with all this added connectivity? I call them micro moments. Yeah. Was it, was it you that I was talking to about these micro moments? I don't moments? think so. I think it was your head of marketing who I yeah. met with yesterday. So micro moments are, I have this belief, which I think is the most beautiful way to live life, which is that at any moment, your whole life can change, right? Right. In one micro moment. Hmm. So in one micro moment, you can meet your soulmate. Yeah. You can meet someone you're going to work with that's going to change right. the course of your whole career. And to wake up every morning and be like, I don't know what micro moment is going to happen today, but it could be life changing. Yeah. That for me is like the best way to live ever. This right. belief that everything can change at any moment. And I think that that's why I messaged you. Right. It was like, what's the upside? Well, amazing. We could meet in person. Right. We could work together. We could be sat in Spotify recording together. All of those things that we've done off the back of this message. Yeah. What's the worst thing that happens? He doesn't reply. And in my body, I feel a little bit of awkwardness or shame or rejection that passes like very quickly. Yeah. You just like move through that cocktail of neurotransmitters that have yeah. the biological response and you move through it. So I think we really want to be inspiring people that you don't have to make huge changes in right. your life. You can actually start with micro moments. And I think that your app that you've created mm -hmm. is the definition of micro moments. Oh, you wow. know? Yeah. There's this belief that you have to go to a 60-minute breathwork class, <laughs> a one-on-one -on -one breathwork class. A seven-day retreat. Exactly. You actually just open the app that you've created and there is 
there are 60 second <laughs> meditations in there. So I'd love to hear how the concept of micro moments applies <laughs> to you, like in your life. Are you ever thinking about the small or are you always thinking like big vision? Oh no, you have to, right? No, I love that. I lo I'm going to definitely use Steal micro moments. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, to, it's a beautiful lens on kind of seizing the moment and being present with everything. Yeah, I think it, it makes me think about how we position, why we chose Mindfulness Studio as a way to position the brand and the work that we're doing is really to take that lens that in this moment, we're constantly making decisions that could change everything in this moment, actually, right? And having the potential of the moment actually really play out. And we see the spectrum of those moments playing out as, hey, what are the constraints of the time that you have? Okay, if it's five minutes, we can turn things around and with those constraints. If you do have an hour, that's compelling too, yeah. because and come to the studio and we can do that. If you do have three days, that's compelling too. One of the things I would offer is like something I wouldn't want to stand for is that there's no exchange for time on seat. So when we're talking about it through the lens of practice and training, at the end of the day, the more you practice, the more benefit you get. But I think this kind of philosophy around micro moments is allowing you to just be really present with what is here right now. And it really raises the stakes for your action, basically, and how you deal with things. Yeah. And I think it can just apply to everything across the board. So many decisions. It can be that moment. Am I going to practice today or not? Right. Am I going to go to the gym right. today or not? Even am I going to drink the coffee or the matcha? You know, right. every moment in our life is ultimately a right. micro moment that can either work for us or against us. And it's okay. Like I fucking love a pizza and like, I love, you know, oh, I, yeah. I have loads of micro moments where I'm like, oh, that one wasn't in my highest good, yeah. but I don't care because I love to eat and I love to enjoy. Yeah. But I think with what you're doing at Open is like every single micro moment that you offer within your ecosystem of the app, it's only going to take you in the right direction. There's like not one micro moment right. in there that's going to take you backwards. Because sometimes practice can feel difficult and, and can create kind of emotion or dissonance or, oh, am I doing it right? Yeah, it just reminds me of people describing having a, a psychedelic experience and having a bad trip. Mm. Um, and it's... It's more in just embracing what is in that, okay, wow, okay, that was tough. Am I going to sit in that energy and feel failure there? Or I, I can observe the reality of that situation. And that was the micro moment. And that's what maybe, maybe I need to sit with the fact that that was tough because I kept like snoozing away. And maybe the micro moment, the teaching from that moment was bringing awareness to the fact that, oh, it's been three days in a row where I'm averaging five and a half hours of sleep. And... I just learned that I'm not quite all there right now, yeah. <laughs> right? And so it's not all in the magic, but I think it's all about really just what I'm hearing in micro moments is just like embracing what is entirely fully in the moment mm. and then choosing to act in the way that from that space. Let's talk about what you just said around how it's there's a lot of resistance to practice for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. and. That's myself included. The old me would always prefer to go to the gym than yep. to do a meditation. It was just yep. like a much easier release for me. And ultimately, it was an avoidance, right? Because right. when you're in the gym, you're not thinking. And through doing this incredible boot camp that we did at the back end of last year, the feedback was that people were noticing that resistance. But when they pushed through it, I mean, the testimonials were like unbelievable, whether it was sleep or whether it was anxiety. 
people were like, I cannot believe that I haven't tried this sooner. Right. So for the people that are listening, how have you guys like handled resistance to practice? Because it must be something you've thought about a lot with that, right? It's like a barrier to entry. But when you get people through it, they're like, fuck, this is life changing. Yeah, we think of it like as layers of engagement, essentially. And, And the terms you just used, like how do we lower the barrier to entry and build momentum? So like you did with this program, it's just starting small just starting small. And I think even, and this is where some of the studies, where PubMed can steer us wrong is uh, a lot more studies have been published more recently, but a lot of the original studies were done on a meditation where like it was Buddhist monks or Mm. monks meditating for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night or 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night or an hour in the morning and an hour at night. And so the directives that came out of those studies were, hey, meditation has a profound impact on X, Y, Z. And all you have to do is practice for two hours a day, <laughs> right? Everyone's crying. Yeah, silently. everyone's like, ah, right? um, But the reality is in this micro moment, kind of thesis that you have going is that even in a minute, you can access something, Mm. right? Especially with things like breath work, where you're literally throttling your nervous system in one direction or another, you can have a really reliable experience. But yeah, it's the layers of engagement. So we've thought about the whole online and offline experience as a way of how we can invite people in and, and not have it not be intimidating and not say you have to meditate every day, even though that that's kind of a good North Star. But if this week you did it once, if you came into the studio once and next week you built some momentum and maybe you doubled that and that you kind of gained the benefits of that. But also just something that isn't talked about enough is like we are human beings. And I don't know about you, but, and I'm like working on this mindfulness studio and been in the space professionally for several years now. And I haven't meditated every day Mm. for the past year. I haven't like, I, I go, I go weeks sometimes where I'm not doing my morning practice as I, I've, and I've held it for years before too, but I fall off. This is the human condition. It's hard to stick with something that consistently, that's okay. It's about how easily can you just get right back at it. What I would really encourage everyone to do is if you can, try and take on actually one experience with greater depth, Mm. whatever that is. So maybe it is the hour-long breathwork class or maybe it is like a one to two day meditation retreat or something like that. If you can get one of those under your belt actually, then what you gain is this experiential knowledge. You gain a taste of the possibilities of where this practice can go. Mm. And you develop a muscle and you develop an, some agility to be able to get back to those spaces, right? Because you've been there before. Mm. And so after you've done one of those deeper experiences, when you come back and do a five-minute practice, you're going to have some arsenal there that wasn't there before. So yeah, I think just balancing that. I, I want to make sure that uh, like depth, you can't replace depth, but when you fall off, that's okay too. And if you only have time for five minutes, that's okay too. Yeah. And I think one thing I love is that through the app, you can 
learn the different types of breath work, right? So we were doing this boot camp and we got to like day six and we were planning it. We're like, this is probably getting a bit intense by this point because this is an intensive seven day thing. Yeah. So on one day we were like, hold on, let's just pull back here and let's just introduce people to the alternate nostril breathing. Yeah, I love that. It was like five minutes and it was like something that you can do in the bathroom stall at work or something you can do before you do public speaking. And the feedback on that was like, wow, it was so simple and I didn't want it to end and it was amazing. And I love that you're just kind of ushering people to step into a new space. Totally. And I don't know about you, but I'm like fucking excited for the future. Yeah. And that's the best feeling ever. Yeah. Like I always say to people, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Do you ever feel like that? In terms of just like the... Just life. Like, are you excited? Yeah. I think that's some of the suspense of life that is so, yeah, exciting. I saw a not so, I wouldn't say this is like the most sophisticated study, but it was more like an Instagram poll from a (laughs) a very well-followed account that asked if you could live forever, would you choose that option? Wow. And I was really excited to see that the majority of responses were no. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm tired. I think I need a break at this point. (laughs) Yeah, and one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes is, he says, death is life's greatest invention. And Mm. so I think the uncertainty is actually what gives that kind of seize the moment thing that you're talking about with these micro moments, right? That anything can change at any point. This one action could be the thing that leads to this next thing. And the uncertainty of not actually knowing any of that is that's the cinema of life, right? That's the drama that we're playing out. And I like to think, (laughs) I know there's a deterministic aspect to this conversation, but I love to think that I'm waving the wand here a little. And maybe generally this is where my life is headed, but I can kind of really make sure it's it's in this direction. I, I like to feel empowered in that way. And so, no, I'm I'm really excited about the the possibilities. I think it's easy to get bogged down by today's current events yeah. and it can feel really overwhelming. But if you zoom out and you look at history and you look at the health factors that have improved over time, there's a lot to be optimistic about, actually. And in in the micro, it can feel really chaotic, but generationally, I think we've got a lot to look forward to. The other thing I wanted to kind of point out on the micro moments is it's not just in the practice, right? Again, it's we're ultimately training for life. And also you mentioned like being in the gym and almost kind of mindlessly going through those motions. And I've heard this a lot. People will say things like, oh, I don't meditate, but I swim. That's my practice. I don't meditate, but I run. Well, actually, first of all, I would argue you're having mindful experiences play out there. Um, But if you don't have the vocabulary for what's happening there, then you might not be present with like the full, the expression of that experience that you're having, right? Mm. You could be really thoughtfully directing your breath in some of those moments. You could take a moment on your board while you're surfing and just look out and have a little breath observation practice or a visualization. You know, if you have these tools, you know, in your toolkit, then you can access them all the time. And you can actually start to notice that this whole mindful thing is happening all around you all the time. You just have to notice and when you practice, you you train your ability to notice. You train your awareness, right? I love that. So, so yeah, I think that when I hear micro moments, that's actually what was playing in the back of my head. And is hopefully you just start to notice 
all the different moments where you can use these different tools. Yeah, I think noticing is such an important thing. Even now, before I step into the gym, I just talk with my body and I say, I'm here because I love you. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'm like excited Heck to like, yeah. make you strong and make you healthy and make us like live this amazing life yeah. together. Whereas the old me would just walk in there. I'm in my head. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm on my phone, put the phone down, get on the spinning bike, get off, pick up the phone and right. like, head out. So I do love that idea that even if you're not practicing or you outside of the practice, that in all these other micro moments, it's about just building awareness. And I guess much like we did before we started recording, we took three deep <laughs> breaths. Right. That's something, that was a micro moment, right? In that moment, we chose to both just take a moment and come back into ourselves to be centered before starting this. Yep. But how many people would not do that with me? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure my next guest is not going to do that <laughs> with me. And that's okay also. Yeah. But I will then go and probably do that myself outside and then come in. Right. So I think it's about just, yeah, what I've learned through working with you and with your app is it helps me build that connection with myself. Right. And it helps me work out what my body's saying to me. Yeah. That's what we say all the time at Open House is your body is always trying to communicate with you. Mm. And I think that when you start to do your breath work or do your meditation or do your somatic shaking, it's just a micro moment to start to say to your body, we're okay. Yep doesn't change the state of the world, doesn't change the threats in your email inbox or the family dynamic that you haven't healed. But I just love how you're building something that makes it safer to be in your body. Mm. And what is more beautiful than that? Yeah, I, I hope people can feel that. Let's talk about control. So I think that we've spoken quite a lot today about the disconnect between embodiment, feeling, yep. being, versus like disconnect being in our heads. Mm -hmm. Now, life is uncomfortable, right? We're not sat here saying we meditate every day. Life is so easy, blah, blah, blah. Life is inherently uncomfortable. The world is inherently uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that before you start on this journey, you try to control a lot of things around you. Yeah. I've controlled everything my whole life, <laughs> like controlled my body, controlled my ex-boyfriends, controlled right. my business. And today I would say I don't do that anymore because mm -hmm. of this journey I've been on. Do you see either personally or through all the millions of people you come into contact with with work that people are trying to control their external environment at the expense of just like facing their internal environment? Yeah, I think there is a lot of that. And I empathize with the experience. I'm not fully free from it myself. I do think it, like everything else I try to espouse, is a balancing act and one of polarity, right? Ultimately, a lot of what I'm proud of with Open and what I've worked on the team with is been an expression of control and a, an expression of dialing something in and being analytical. And But then if you do that too much, then you don't let the thing breathe, right? And you don't let it do grow. its na grow and do its natural thing. So, no, I find that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think about a little bit of the doing and versus being kind of conversation, right? There is a, there is a sense of acceptance that I just heard in your evolution that you just described where you're just letting things come at you more. And that is a very abundant state to be in. And I think that's a really powerful state to be in. And I think you're demonstrating a lot of control with your the vision of how you want it. Mm. And, and I think both are possible, right? I, I think it's the nuance and the tact of your the way that you execute it that makes the difference mm. between how people are feeling around you <laughs> with how you're doing it, right? Are you naming a vision for how you want to see it and articulating it so well that it resonates with people so clearly so that 
they actually have agency and they can they're now empowered to go out there and help achieve that vision or are you in there literally holding the pencil <laughs> off their desk and drawing it and telling them how to draw it. So I think it's a balancing act, but I do think there's some measure of control that's really important. And one to train and understand in oneself, right? I think of focus and attention exercises in that realm, Mm. like teaching your mind to have the control to be able to switch on to something and stay with something is really important, right? Otherwise, your brain kind of goes mush Mm. and it attracts to any, it's accepting, 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 accepting. Yeah, so I think there's a balance. Yeah, I love that. And I think also when you're trying to control everything, you also ultimately control your self-expression. When you're trying to control the environment around you, you're so focused outwards that whether it's cleaning the kitchen or going to the gym or whatever, you actually, again, are not like tapping into yourself and expressing outwards. And I think that a big part of my journey has been just learning to just be me, know and think that I'm fucking cool. Whereas in my 20s, it would be like, oh, I need to just do this or do this or look like this. And the thing that I think about your app is it's fucking cool, right? (laughs) It is, you open it and you're like, this is sick. The creative direction is Uh, epic. And years ago, like years ago when I was doing my brand and marketing agency, I would have clients come to me and say, I want to do what Open is doing. Like you guys (laughs) pioneered the way with these abstract graphics and just your creative direction. And I think it's fucking cool. But the word cool is like the least cool thing ever, right? Yeah. You, you want to be uncool, talk about cool, Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what does cool mean to you today? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I say this at, at the office all the time. My brand of cool is, is I call nerdy. Yeah. I think, and that's just my personal brand. Your personal brand is nerdy. No, like <laughs> my personal, <laughs> and I think I'm cool. No, no, I just, what I really like, what I'm attracted to and- what nerdy means to me to unpack that is people who are deeply curious and deeply authentic in their curiosity and they're voracious in their in their pursuit of kind of addressing their curiosities and mm. and through that they develop this depth of knowledge and experience and a breadth of knowledge and experience that makes them really unique and individual So I think that's what I think is cool. And those are the types of people that I'm really attracted to for what it's worth. But I think if we kind of abstracted that to the kind of conversation you're having at a brand level or a company level, then I think it's about independent thinking and having your own perspective, one that you've cultivated. And it's not independent or sorry, yeah, it's not independent for the sake of being independent. It's not different because you're trying to be different. But Uh, In us, we all have our individual creative lens. We are all unique, just even if it's by 0.001%, we are unique in that way. And it's our perspective that gives its originality. Mm. And the more you can cultivate that without any noise of ego or kind of external validation, and you're really just nerding out, and truth-seeking on something, then the byproduct is an original statement or an original mm. perspective. And nothing is cooler than that. Oh, I The reason I was going like this, because I was like, I'm loving this part of the conversation. And <laughs> I want to ask you if, was there any part of you that ever felt like you wanted to or needed to push against this being nerdy or want, or feeling nerdy or being attracted to these states of being? Because I think that 
sometimes at the essence of who we are, we push against our truth. And when we step into that and embrace it, we're mm-hmm. like, wow, I've actually come home to myself. Did wow. you ever push against that? That's interesting. I might like, I'll, I'll answer it based on how I heard the second half of the question, which is just, what have I really pushed up against? I think I pushed down on my creativity a decent bit and that being something that I would more professionally orient towards. And I was really interested in how things scale. I I loved products growing up. I was fascinated by the craft. I was fascinated by the omnipresence of certain things. And I just wanted to craft something so beautiful that it would be all over the place. And so I think that was something that was innate. Um, And then in the pursuit of that, I learned a lot about the technical underpinnings of business and marketing and finance and distribution, all these tactical things. And it really came time, like it wasn't until I started working on open where I could really tap into the soul and the the kind of creative part of me that wanted to express itself with the foundation of all this kind of technical understanding of business and how to commercialize things that I really started to light up and started to enjoy my work in a really different way. I love that. Yeah. And, and I think part of my journey was embracing the sensitivity of like how I feel everything. And yeah. that's actually really beautiful, like nothing to be ashamed of. Like it elevates everything I do rather mm-hmm. than being like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. So for everyone listening, I would love for you to think maybe what part of your personality you've been like suppressing or pushing away last year that this year you're like, I'm actually going to step towards that. And I love what you said about being lit up. For me now, I could never imagine going back to a life where where my business or my job didn't have a purpose to it. Now, I know that that's not possible for everyone listening. Sure. But I wanted to just ask if you feel like your life has elevated since you're not just a cool tech bro in San Francisco. You're like a cool tech bro that's building something that is deeply impactful. Well, one, I want to lower the barrier entry to something you just said (laughs) in the purpose and meaning. I think we've made purpose and meaning something that has to feel really grandiose and it has to feel like something that's going to be big with a big impact, scale, so on and so forth. But, you know, I think there's nothing cooler than just really being an artisan of whatever it is that you do. And not all of us had the same privileges, lucky breaks, whatever it is. But I do hope sincerely that as we make these generational cycles that I was speaking to and thinking of the macro and how I think I'm optimistic about the future, that I hope that what we're creating access for is more and more that we are aligning humanity with working on things that give them energy and nothing that degrades people. And so, yeah, so I want to I want to just dangle that hope out for people that that's something that you two can achieve even if it doesn't it doesn't feel so grandiose. You started the question with something around like this year versus next year and kind of what you're carrying in. One thing I reflect on this past year is that we were going through a transition at the company. We'd kind of we've done the foundational layer of what we wanted to build in that we have this digital product and digital experience ecosystem that we've built out as well as our first physical studio. And now we're going to grow both of those and do more locations and bring the app to more people. And the transition of going from 
the early stages of the company where uh, we were spending a lot of time in R&D, a lot of time in experiential labs, essentially designing and cultivating the experience itself and going from that to becoming a company that was exchanging value and people are paying for things. And we ultimately really wanted to have a over deliver on that exchange uh, that looking back especially at this year that was every bit of a transition that took some of the joy out of it and at times and kind of doing some dutiful administrative like things yeah. to set the the company's foundation up in a different way not necessarily from a kind of ethos and vision standpoint, but from an operational and logistical standpoint. And so it punched a lot of joy out for me. As I, um, but as I look forward to the next year, I think I'm looking forward to that play again and that joy again and kind of dancing and skipping my way to work. Um, oh, I love that. I, had I a, want everyone to dance and skip their way to work. And I have, by the way, for what it's worth, the last couple of weeks, especially, I've been really thinking about this. I had a birthday recently. That, and I shared this kind of commitment to play, being disciplined about play with my friends. And it's been that way. And I had a, I had a really dear friend pass away this year, so Aviatar Frankel. And one of his lines that he always would come back to is, remember, it's supposed to be fun. And so... So I've just been oh really, God, that's I'm been, crying. that's it. That's been a mantra for sure. And so, yeah, so I'm going to have a lot of fun Good. again. And it, it, and so, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. It all feels like just kind of like step by step, if you will, reminds you of just kind of climbing a not too arduous. Having but, fun along the way. Yeah. High altitude mountain and just putting one foot ahead of the other and enjoying the process. You know, hearing the crunching sound of your foot mounting step by step and kind of enjoying the sound of that, feeling your body give that feedback. Oh, it's a little sore in this moment. Oh, I didn't even notice my legs for the last couple steps. Noticing what thoughts come in and out through that hike and just enjoy having a smile on your face while you do it. Yeah. I think the last thing I want to talk about is we've touched upon this joy and fun. Yeah. And so important. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I love life is because every day is just fucking fun. Like, yeah. sure, there's days that are awful, but like on the most part, there's a lot of play in my life. Yeah. I think a lot of people listening probably feel that there's this like mutual exclusivity between being young and fun and partying and living that life versus this sort of whitewashed wellness belief that like it's kind of one or the other. Now, I don't party like I used to in any way, shape or form. Same. Right? <laughs> but something that's huge about your app is the music. Element. Yeah. And I remember. So you could tell that I used to party. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was like, oh my, oh my God, like I feel like I'm literally in a nightclub. It was amazing and then when you took me around the studio and gave me a tour the speaker set I'm like whoa this is unbelievable yeah and I guess that I want to just wrap up today talking about that how you've hybrided maybe an old part of your life mm -hmm. and built it into a new part that's ultimately what evolution is right so right talk to me about that music and the partying and how it feels different for you today yeah I think that some of the you called it whitewashing I think there's other ways to attack the same conversation. I think about it as like the preciousness that's been associated with wellness and the inaccessibility of mm. some of these practices for various reasons. And some of it is that preciousness. Some of it is actually really built around, again, fragmenting the conversation to say, 
meditation or mindfulness or presence or connection. These are things that happen when you're sitting cross-legged in a monastery with your eyes closed. These really kind of like out there things, you're not in society, you're not with it. And I think one of the things that we think a lot about at Open is, hey, actually, again, this whole experience of life that we really want people to come into contact with, it's happening all the time. It's happening all around us and you just need to notice, right? And so some of my most profound experiences have been at live music shows where I'm jumping up and down at a Jamie XX show, right? And I'm just totally off my head, right? And and frankly, the scene that I just described, completely sober, but feeling the same level of presence and joy and connection in that moment as I have six days in on a meditation retreat, mm. right? And f- it, it's... And so just creating those connections as a brand feels really important and using whatever tools you have on your side to get you into those spaces is okay, right? And so, you know, swimming in the ocean without the open app <laughs> and and being really conscious of your breath while you're doing it, being really aware of your body while doing it because you have that vocabulary now, Perfect. Mm. Amazing. Being at a Kikagakamoyo show in San Francisco and closing your eyes for a second and just listening, not paying attention to anything visually for that moment, but just really absorbing all the sound and the frequency and having the vocabulary to be able to do that. Amazing. Mm. Open app turned off in your pocket. All good, right? And so, yeah, our use of music, our use of sound, our use of these things that don't feel like they might necessarily belong in these spaces is really to give those breadcrumbs so that when you're not sitting in the seat that you were when you're out there in the world you can kind of create those connections on your own i love it yeah and i think what i'm taking from today whether it's the micro moments whether it's the change or the journeys that we've both gone on or the concepts of evolution that we've spoken about is that People will be listening to this and it's a new year. Yeah, There's that big belief that this year you have to be a different person. It has to start today, has to start with these res- resolutions and these right. habits that are never going to change overnight. You right. have this neural pathway, these new neural pathways that have been wired for decades. And yeah. then people expect that one day you're going to wake up and change everything. So I think my final closing point is what the open app has taught me and what you have taught me and what life has taught me is that life is about a slow shift mm-hmm. in evolution. And mm. that comes through the decisions you make in micro moments and it happens slowly. But one day you look back and you're like, fuck, I'm sat in Spotify LA with the guy that owns the app I always wanted to work with. <laughs> How did I get here? Because I shifted so slowly into this version of me and through micro moments, I reached out to yeah. you. And my goal for this year yeah. is just to keep shifting, to keep changing and to keep evolving. Yeah. Do you feel the same for your next year ahead? Absolutely. You have this inevitable quality about yourself and you have to believe that in yourself on a cellular level. It really starts with you. Yeah. Don't underestimate what impact it can have to string together a day, two, three days, a week, a month. It is compounding. Mm. And so, yeah, just holding that highest vision of yourself and visualizing that and holding that as a possibility and then actually stepping towards that and just knowing that inevitable 
part of you. I think that these times, I too have kind of like, resi- I don't celebrate my birthday really. New Year's, I don't. Well, have, now we're friends who will be celebrating. We will. <laughs> we'll be celebrating you all of the time. On your birthday, I'll be yeah. like, I'm here. What are we fucking doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of that serious side of my brain that's like, oh, what is this? Like, we made up calendars at some point yeah. or like, none of this matters. We should be doing all of this in a perpetual state, blah, 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 blah. But as I get a little less serious, <laughs> I realize that these moments are profound in that they offer you a time to reflect and they're punctuated in a way where it does give you a micro moment can become a macro moment really quickly because you're you're like oh i'm reflecting now on this past year and what do i want to do different that conversation there's a lot of depth in that conversation and that's a, a very fertile ground that's a very fertile soil for you to plant seeds in and so from that standpoint, I think leaning into some of these these Roman calendar <laughs> themes is is something worthwhile. I just like birthdays because I feel like we get to celebrate you. But I agree, yeah. come Valentine's <laughs> Day, I'm like, fuck that. Halloween, I'm like, fuck that. No. Right. But a birthday, I just like it. I feel like we don't celebrate ourselves enough. We feel sure. like, especially as British people, <laughs> we're like, you Americans are much better at being like, hey, it's my fucking birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like myself. British people were like, oh, oh, sorry if it wouldn't trouble you too much. Could I have a lighter to light the candle on my cake? Oh, yeah, it's my birthday. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for making a fuss. Yeah. So I like it. I'm like, no, let's no, celebrate you. It. Let's yeah. like break these cultural barriers where we're told to be small and quiet. No, I think you're right. I think that's where I have a lot of growth <laughs> yeah. for what it's worth. But if nothing, at minimum, it's a calendar invite reminder to yourself to celebrate yourself. That's amazing. Okay. That's a, what a day to do it. Exactly. <laughs> so to everyone listening, if you want to come and have a go at Open, we have had thousands of people by this point already download it from the Open House audience. All you have to do is head to the show notes and over to social media where we will be sharing our code. You get a 30-day free trial. And if you are listening to this and you haven't already joined us for the Open X Open House, I just shouted into the <laughs> microphone. My poor producer is going to be like, whoa, keep your voice down. The Open X Open House 31-day nervous system reset come and join us already. You can jump in late. If you haven't already tried the Open House X (laughs) Open (laughs) Anxious Attachment Bootcamp, that's also there for you. We've got a lot of different avenues to take you through and on this journey, no matter what your pain point is, no matter what you are coming into this year saying, this is what I want to work on this year. So, Ryde, thank you. There were so many moments when I was like, I want to go and give him a hug or do a little dance, but I'm like constrained in this chair being, (laughs) being a proper adult. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited for what's ahead. Me too. Truly, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Sillias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.